Man, last week uh, we talked about the gift of goodbye. Uh, we started the year off by just wanting to address uh, what it means to kind of trim the fat in our, our lives and um, to come into this place with God where we are um, settled and, 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 and we're simplified and we've looked at our heart and our life and we've said, God, this is where I stand with you. And to just take a good look, to start the year off with just a good look at where we are. And so um, the focus was to just really get the negativity out of our lives, but we kind of ended by talking about stuff and just stuff that, that we end up collecting, whether it be physically or spiritually or emotionally or relationally, just stuff. O- over the years, we just end up with a bunch of stuff and just saying, Lord, get the stuff out. And so that's where I just want to pick up this morning. Um, obviously, this is, is, a, is a challenging week for us because it, it's our week of prayer and fasting, and so that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. And if you've never heard a message on, on fasting, I don't want you to get scared and leave. Um, it's not going to be spooky. Um, I'm not going to have anything weird to say, um, but we are challenging our church as a whole. As Craig already mentioned, we're launching our 18th campus this morning, and uh, Pastor Rick has asked all 18 of our campuses to fast this week. And uh, so that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Every fall, um, our campus pastors all get together, and we kind of have a theme for about three days. And we just talk about where our churches are, and we talk about where we feel like the Lord wants us to head for the next year and kind of a direction. And, of course, Pastor Rick kind of spearheads that, and he'll say, like, this is what's on my heart. And and he started off that, that meeting, and it was a very um, unique time because we, we heard um, him say some very tough things in terms of, hey, I've taken a look at where we are as a church, and here's a very tough statement. I'm going to share that with you this morning. He was talking um, with some staff about wanting to have a prayer meeting, just some time for the church to pray. Okay, now that doesn't sound odd at all, being a church. We just want to pray. And he told us at this uh, campus pastor meeting that um, he began to examine calendars. And so people were like, well, I can't do it on, on the 21st. and uh, I can't do it on, on the 28th. And yeah, we can't do it on the 31st either. And yeah, we, we can't do it then either. And why? Well, we have this. Well, that's, that's really good. What, what about this date? No, we can't do it then either because we, we, we have this. Well, what, what, what are we doing? Okay, that's good too. And all being said, it ended up being we could not find the place to schedule a prayer meeting. And it really frustrated him mentally, but even more so spiritually, to be a church and we had all these programs, and we had stuff that, that we enjoyed doing as, as a church, our activity, and there's a lot of moving parts, as you can imagine, with 18 churches. There's a lot of moving parts, but it was just frustrating to say, I can't find a place where 18 churches can come together and set aside prayer, and it was frustrating. And so he gave this example of, of cleaning out your go, garage. And I don't know if you've ever cleaned out your garage. But you kind of raise it up. There's different seasons and points. But for some of you, you raise it up, and it's sheer panic. You haven't parked a car in there in a long time. 
and it's floor-to-ceiling boxes, and you got a bike hanging from somewhere, and there's some weights over in, in the corner. You don't know where those came from. And there's just stuff. And he said the best method is to pull it all out and only put back in what is necessary and efficient and beneficial. And so that's really the metaphor that I'm going to use this morning is to have, again, this season, this sliver of time in our our year to pull it all out and look at it and say this is only what needs to go back in, okay? There's a show called Hoarders. How many of you have ever seen an episode of Hoarders? Just raise your hand high. Don't be ashamed, okay? My wife will watch Hoarders and then go clean for three hours. Just makes her want to scrub something, okay? And so the gist of this show, for those of you who have not seen it, is it is individuals with anxiety disorders, and they have found refuge. They have found solace in stuff. And some of it we look at and we go, I I can't believe that that paper plate could actually mean something. But there is refuge in it for these individuals. In fact, they have so much stuff, they can no longer function. Like they've pulled so much stuff into their home that they can no longer function. And so the bathrooms no longer work. They can no longer take a shower because the shower's full of stuff. And they can no longer take a bath because the tub is full of stuff. And they can no longer cook in the kitchen because the kitchen's so full of stuff. And so it narrows their life down to one really small space where they end up kind of carving out somewhere in the house. And it's where they go and they sleep and they eat. And a lot of times they use the restroom all right there in that one spot. And so they imprison themselves over time. And here, here's the good part. At some point in the show, the posse shows up. A counselor, a therapist, a psychologist, somebody shows up, and they have a slew of help. It's trucks and trailers and dumpsters and garbage bags and masks and gloves and cans of Lysol. They got all this, this, this whole posse there to to take care of it. And there's one thing that is going to happen in every single episode that you watch. The cleaning crew is going to show up, and when they do, they cannot tolerate the smell. They try to hide it. They start by... Mm. Mm. You ever heard somebody do that? It says so much. Uh. They end up, they put their shirt over. They have masks. Sometimes you see them putting some kind of cream in there. Like, I don't know what it is, some type of peppermint type cream. Maybe it's an essential oil. And they put it in there, and they stick it on, 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 on their face so they can't smell anything else. Okay? That's right. You guys know you bought some. Ain't no essential oils in these places I'm, I'm talking about. Okay? And so they can't resist the urge. There's this odor, and the odor is this. It's a collective aroma of rotting food and unflushable toilets and deceased animals and stale stuff. 
Just stuff that hasn't been moved or stirred. It's just stagnant, and it just sits there. And here's the kicker. In spite of the awful environment, their sickness has told them it's a place of peace. So they will fight to let go of the very things killing them. All right? Now, quick spiritual application here. We talked a little bit about this last week, about relational, emotional, spiritual, our whole being, and how we too can just collect and tuck away. We called it hook and line. And so there's so much hook and line and and stuff that soon we too are confined spiritually to one little place to live. We're no longer dreamers. We're no longer uh, faith-based adventurers. We're no longer journeymen. We are people confined, trying to survive one little spot in our faith. And suddenly God becomes very small. We stop believing big and thinking big and acting big, and faith is just something that, that, that we're just clinging to in case eternity quickly finds us. And we're just confined because of stuff. Something someone said, something someone did, an experience, something that was awful, something that was traumatic to us. And we're confined spiritually into one space. And so what does hoarders have to do with my spirit? A lot. Because our spirit can be filled to the brim with toxin, with toxic stuff, rotting, unflushable, deceased, stale stuff. Just sitting there in a survival mode. And here's here's what's so ironic about that. Is that the sickness of sin tells us that it's okay to be this way. The sickness in our humanity tells us that that's an okay position to live life in. And I want to confront that in each and every every one of us, that this is not the way God designed for us to live. This is not the way God intended. This is not the life more abundantly. This is not a life full of joy that Christ intended. The cross is far greater than that type of life. And so this is why, like the garage, it all has to come out. Because some, maybe in this room, would rather stay bitter than to forgive someone. And the stench of that unforgiveness begins to permeate your life. And like this silly show that I talked about, all of a sudden, you know, we the metaphor here is that the Holy Spirit shows up with gloves and a dumpster and a truck and a trailer and all the help. And, and he's wanting to reach out and say, I can get all of this out of your life, but you have to give me permission. I'm I'm here, I'm available, I've got the power to change you, but I cannot invade your will. And I cannot cross the line into into the deepest areas of your existence unless you permit me to. And so I want you to imagine that in your life, the armies of heaven waiting to show up to do something amazing in your life, but you have to fully permit the work of God to happen in your life. John chapter 1, verse 23. John 
It says, John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah. This is John the Baptist we're talking about, but he says, I am the voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. That really the message of John was to say, hey, make way. Or one translation says, make room. And I think this is, is the initial challenge this morning and why we, we would fast and why we would commit to a week of prayer is to make room. Because our lives are so full of the, of the stuff, of the events, of, 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 of the business initiative, of trying to make another buck, of trying to get ahead, of trying to get more peace, of trying to get and attain and acquire and attain and acquire and attain and acquire, that we have not made room. And this is the message of John the Baptist. Clear the way, he says. 1 Corinthians 14.33, in your notes, it's a typo. I have 14.13, but it's actually 14.33. It says, God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. When we look at our lives, we should not be confused. We should be able to take a spiritual assessment of our lives and not, not be taken aback by what we see. But with Christ in our lives... There should not be confusion. We should be full of the peace of God. 1 Corinthians 14, 40, he goes on and says, But all things, everybody say all things, should be done decently and in order. He's trying to teach, Paul's trying to teach the church at Corinth, hey, there's got to be some order here. And so when we think about our lives, that's how I want you to, to see it, that God has an order for you, that our lives are not designed to just be full of stuff, but we need to clear the way, make room, make a place. And then just like that garage example, once we've taken it all out, put it back in and put it back in order. The good stuff, great, keep it. Just put it back and, and, and keep it in, in order. So prayer and fasting is about making room. Okay? It's about making room. The second thing, prayer and fasting, is intimidated. Okay, How many of you, just be honest, you find fasting to be intimidating? Okay, Anybody? Yeah, two of you. The rest of you are lying. So you got fasting. When we talk about fasting, we, sometimes we're just kind of, oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if, if, I, if I can survive it. I don't know if, if I'm going to make it. Um, and for many in this room, you're intimidated if we challenge you to pray. Because prayer is a relative word. I mean, it's going to look and feel differently for everybody here. If I said, what does your prayer life look like? It's going to look different for every person in here. But some people are intimidated by it. I don't know when the last time was I talked to God. I don't know when the last time was that I felt the presence of God. I don't, I don't even know if, if I'm worthy to talk to God. Am I worthy to talk to God? And so you've got all of these questions. And if we add fasting to it, you get wildly intimidated. So I'm not only going to have to talk to God but you're asking me to give up something specifically, food. All right? Why is this so intimidating? Because sacrifice and delayed gratification is something we all struggle with. Because we have all at this point in time pretty much been brought up that if we want it, we can find a way to get it. I will move things. I will, I will shift things around financially. I'll use credit if I have to. 
but I'm going to get it because I want it. And we're trying to answer that tension in our life of want, want, want. And there's nothing to bring that back under control like prayer and fasting. God, what do you want? Not, not what I want. What do you want? And I'm going to push something away that is a constant voice in my life. The desire for food, the desire to want something. I'm going to push all that away so that you know I'm doing something sacrificial in this. There are examples in both biblical and American history where a leader declared a fast so that the hearts of the people could be changed, so that we could, we could challenge people and cultures that were not used to sacrifice and that were only used to instant gratification. First example is Daniel chapter 9, verse 3 through 5. If, if you're following me, if not, just watch the screen. So I turned to the Lord God, he says, and pleaded with him in prayer and in petition, in fasting, and in sackcloth and ashes. Verse 4, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Verse 5, we have sinned. We have done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We and our kings and our princes and our ancestors are covered with shame, Lord, because we have sinned against you. Serious. And you're saying, God, as long as I can remember, we have sinned. Our leadership has sinned. Our nation has sinned. Those underneath leadership has sinned. My ancestors have sinned. My grandfather, my grandfather before him have all sinned, and we are shamed. And he calls a fast. All right. Abraham Lincoln, March 30th in 1863, he declares a fast for the whole country. If you know anything about Lincoln, he never declared a church as his home. But I, I, I want to read this to you from his speech. This is what it says. It behooves us then to humble ourselves, to confess our national sin, and to pray for forgiveness. I do by this my proclamation designate and set apart as a day of national humiliation, fasting, and prayer. And I request all the people to abstain from every secular pursuit and to unite at several places of worship and in their respective homes in keeping the day holy un unto God. And he declared a fast. He said, we as a nation, we need to fast. We need, and and it's, it's one of those things that we've lost. It's one of those great truths in church that we have have lost. And truth be known, we probably don't do it often enough. But as, as a church, we are calling a fast for all 18 of our campuses that rep represent some 20,000 plus people to come in and just declare that we are ashamed and we want to come before God and we confess our sin and we want what you want. And we're going to do it all, all this week. Okay, third, fasting is an invitation, not a requirement, right? Fasting, hear me, is not something God makes you do. We choose to do it out of the relationship. 
It is not something that God punishes you for if you do not participate. This is not a message of guilt. It's it's an invitation. It's not a message to condemn. It is an invitation to join our church and to go to a next level in God in your personal time with him. God loves you, and I want to be very clear, whether you fast or not. And if you're a theologian that likes it broken down very, very simple, this is a non-essential. Whether you fast or not does not change your eternity. It doesn't get you into heaven. Right? It has nothing to do. It is not tethered or tied or anything relatable to your salvation. It is an invite. Come close to me. Draw near to me. Hear me. Okay? So let me, let me end, end with this. I'm, I'm going to give you three really quick steps to getting ready for this week. The first thing, if you're planning on fasting this week, is to ask yourself, what is your objective? What do you want out of this? If we just do something to do it, we lose the benefit of it. So it's, it's good to come up with, why, what do I want from this? Why am I fasting? Why am I willing to make this sacrifice? Is it for spiritual renewal, for healing, for the resolution of problems, for wisdom to navigate a difficult circumstance? Is it because I, I, I want restoration with my spouse? What is the reason I'm wanting to draw closer to God and have that on the forefront of my mind for the purpose of prayer and for sacrifice? And then write it down, okay? Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 says, The Lord said to me, write down the vision and make it plain. There is something spiritual about writing down the spiritual goal of it, writing down the spiritual vision of it. What do I want to, to do here? I'm going to write it down and make it plain. This is what I want my objective to be. The second thing is make your commitment. If you are not mentally prepared for the commitment, your fast is going to last till about brunch on Monday. You're going to start out hot out of the gate, 8 a.m. Monday morning. I am on a fast, hallelujah. And by 10, you're going to be like, oh, God, I got to go to burrito day. Okay, at least it's healthy, Lord. Right? And so, make your commitment. And here's some questions to ask yourself here. What type of fast are you going to do? Because there's all kinds. As a church, we are challenging people to do the Daniel fast. Okay, that's no meat, no dairy, no sugar. But you can do a Jewish fast, which is to eat one meal every night. Okay, now that doesn't mean that you go down and hit the buffet at Golden Corral in North Little Rock for your one meal, and they have to run you off. Okay, you're eating too much, please leave. That goes beyond your 1099. Some people are going to do social media. They're going to do all those kinds of things. But I want to be very clear that as a church, we are challenging you for food. Okay, Some people are going to say, hey, I'm going to give up Instagram for a week, and that's great. But our challenge is, our invitation is, we want our whole church to fast food. But that's something that you will have to lead your family in. What, what kind of fast are you wanting to do? Um, it was a pastor and um, he always got his whole fam- family involved in fasting. He would teach his kids, hey, um, this, is, this, is, this is fasting week, and, and so this is what we're going to do for you. And, and, and a lot of parents have said, you know, hey, what, for our kids, this is what, what we're going to do. You're not going to have candy for a week. 
And um, Pastor Rick says in the early days of NLC, you know, they, they would give out Tootsie Rolls in kid life. And during fasting week, his kids would come home with hands full of Tootsie Rolls and they'd put them in a jar and say, after this week, we're going to tear that up. But there was this pastor and he had young kids and he did food. They were fasting meals. They were young, young kids. And the story goes that the mom came in and the youngest kid had opened the bottom cabinet in, in the kitchen and was eating the dog's food. And she said, this fast is over. Hey, we're calling it. That's it. But I want you to get your family involved. That's a conversation that you'll have to ask your family together. As a family, what do we want to do? What do we want this week to look like? Because I want you to have that conversation or you'll set yourself up to, to not, not do well in fasting week. Okay, let me end, end with this. And that is to prepare yourself spiritually. The fast is about you and God. Okay, it's about you and God. And for years and years and years, you say, well, then if it's about, about me and God, how does this benefit our church? Because we had the model or the perspective wrong for so many years, and I've told you this many times, but pastors used to preach that if we can make the church healthy, families are healthy, and it's actually the complete opposite. Because you are the, the, the church, and so when you're healthy, the church is healthy, not vice versa. You have a healthy, strong, serving, giving, loving healed church because you have loving, giving, serving, healed people. And so that's why we want it to be about you and and God. We're going to be praying about stuff collectively, but this is about you and God. Matthew 6.33 actually says, seek the kingdom of God first, and then everything else is added. Seek the kingdom of God first. So as a church, let me tell you how we're, we're going to help you this week, okay? We're going to start off tonight with a phenomenal night of praise and worship. And I don't care if it snows six inches today, we're having church tonight. Okay, so come on your four-wheeler, get your horse out, pull each other on a sled, pick each other up by horse and buggy, and just get here. Okay, six o'clock. We're going to have a combined worship service with NLC Cabot, NLC BB, NLC Heber, and us. And so we're going to pack this place out and lift up the name of Jesus and just have a good time tonight at six o'clock. And so please be here for that. We're going to kick off prayer and fasting with a worship service tonight. Every morning, Monday through Friday, the church is going to be open from 7 to 8 for prayer. And so if you want to come by, even if it's for five minutes before work, okay, uh, come on by, pray, find a spot, come on in. It's going to be very informal. We're just going to create an atmosphere. We'll have some worship going. Come in, find a spot, kneel down, lay down, bring your Bible, just soak time. Very informal soak time prayer in the mornings at 7. Every night, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m., we're going to do a Facebook Live Devo. We got them by different people, and so just tune in to Facebook. We'll we'll put it out there and remind you throughout the week. 6 p.m. every night, we're going to do a Facebook Devo. Is to help us focus on prayer and fasting. And then next Sunday morning, we will break fast by taking communion during both services. And so that's just kind of what our week is going to look like as a church, but what you do individually is entirely up to you. Here's the big deal, and this is what I just want to end, end with this, and I'm going to pray. Do something. Do something. Okay. I'm not asking you to drink water only. I'm asking you to do what you feel like is sacrificial for you and your family that's realistic.
okay? This is not about a week of bragging, you know? Well, hey, I haven't eaten for three days, and, and then, you know, I was hoping I'd lose 12 pounds this week. That's not what this is about, okay? Do, just do something, and don't feel embarrassed about what that something is, okay? If you've never climbed before, you don't come out of the, out of the gate and say, I'm, I'm going to do Everest in two months. No, you start with something simple and easy. And so do, do that. Make that part of your fast this week. Say, hey, I'm just going to do something. And that something is sacred and holy between me and God. And I sacrifice it. And I feel it. it, it it's definitely that tension in my life. But I'm doing this, this for God. And for somebody else, that may be the simplest thing. But it's not between you and God and somebody else. It's just you and God, okay? So stand, stand with me today. I want to pray over our fast. I want to pray over our families. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit speak to you loud this, this week. I want to pray for testimonies. I want to pray for you to get your answers, for you to get wisdom, for you to hear from God, for you to get closer to God, and that this be a very special week for our whole church, okay? Father, I'm so thankful for New Life Church.